I have no idea when Dev starts on this. Oh, me neither. Is it now? It can't be now. There's no way. Wait, it's coming up. Okay, hold on. Okay. Places. Places. The history of film. That battle who even when the lights go dim. From James Cagney to Nosferatu and stunts that shock you. And dirty, dirty tricks studios made. From wings to Top Gun, movie stars and no ones. Romantic crazy fans that leave no real of fun. Hollywood is still from history in Hollywood. They chase the Oscar, but it's all a sham, just like Shaq and Kazam. All your dreams can come true. Film history, the history of film. All of it made for you. Good God, that was terrible. Part four. Everyone, welcome back to Film History. The, the history, history of film. film. We're season back two. with part four. Yeah, season two. Season two. <laughs> season two might only be Marlon Brando. We <laughs> shall see. It has not been determined yet. Uh, but we're absolutely back with part four. Hopefully, this is the end, y'all. I don't it's know yet. Brando. As of as of right this very second, this might be a part four, part five. Part five see. would be insane. Part five would be insane. We've never even done a part four. The thing is, here's the thing. Part five would be very depressing. I love um, it. Let's yeah. end on a low note. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, part four is already going to be... I hope you guys had fun, because it's not going to get any more fun from here. Marlon Brando's life did not get uh, hilarious uh, the later Brando, he got. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> it's all... I mean, that's the... You can look that's at the, the island of Dr. Monroe as a comedy. You just got to kind of put a different glasses on. <laughs> I mean, it is a comedy in the way that Greek tragedies were considered comedies. Or a like comedy the Revenant. Of, of errors. A comedy yeah, of comedy of errors. of errors. That movie was considered a comedy like uh, The Revenant was considered a comedy <laughs> at the Golden Globes or whatever that shit was. You know what I mean? The Golden Globes does have a weird metric of what's a comedy yeah, what's a drama. Yeah, yeah. Well, because be they're like, all you know, they're foreign, so it's like, you know, they don't know what humor is. And they'll be like Eastern the, Europe. What are they'll you be like, and the best comedy of the year is Schindler's List. <laughs> and the French are like, it was so funny. I don't Me. know why you're not to laugh. <laughs> I laughed it the whole time. They're smoking like an entire pack of cigarettes at the same time. <laughs> if you do not laugh, you cry. Yes. If I, <laughs> yeah, if I don't laugh, I cry. And. <laughs> and eat a baguette. I do not uh, want to cry. <laughs> I don't laugh and I cry. Okay, so <laughs> part four, Marlon Brando. Uh, I do have to start off. I've got, I've got. Look, I got like three punch ups. Three punch ups of part three. This is just going to become a part of this, this, this. You know, new way of doing things. Season two is all about punch ups. Season two is all about punch ups. And who better to do it with than Marlon Brando, who got punched on and punched up on people. So the only punch-ups I really have are uh, around Mutiny on the Bounty. <clears throat> so the first one is is that while he's doing Mutiny on the Bounty in 1962, right after filming that, he got married. And I didn't mention her. He had a wife. He had three wives in his life. Mm -hmm. He had three wives in his life. Uh, and one of them was right after Mutiny on the Bounty. She played his love interest in the movie. Mm -hmm. And she was this like French Polynesian actress named uh, Tarita Terripaya. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But she was this actress in the movie. They got married. And they were actually married for 10 years. So I feel like I had to punch this up. You know, I had to at least, like, remind people that he was married at this point. 10 I know. years? 
10 years. It was very dark. That's a big oversight. I know, but look, there's so much fucking Brando, man. There's so much to this guy. Where where was was this in the... Was this the first marriage, second marriage, third marriage? This is the second marriage. This is the second marriage. Yeah, but also, you know, he's still fucking everybody in the whole Uh world. Like, it doesn't really even matter. Yeah, that's his roommate. That's his roommate. His his roommate for 10 years. His roommate for 10 years. (laughs) Who deeply loved him? He didn't love her. He's still having like women come through the window and shit. You know, uh, I got I got really caught up on all the career stuff. You know, I, I, my bad. That was my bad. Okay, and he was he had been in Mutiny on the Bounty. He had been filming it in Tahiti. He fell in love with Tahiti, Tahiti and all of its people. Stayed there. Stayed there. Very forever. much so. Very much fell in love Brought with its people. A hotel. Where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he bought an island actually, or an atoll. He bought a twelve island atoll, just atoll, like what like Waterworld was. Yeah, was the atoll. He bought the Waterworld atoll in yeah, Tahiti. Like, Dev, what's the definition of an atoll again? Uh, like a bunch of... A toll is like the volcano uh, when it uh, sprouts up and then erodes away, and the center falls out in the hole. So it's just this ring. So it's all those islands that are like a uh, ring yeah, with like yeah. a deep lagoon or something in the middle. Those are like hundreds of millions of years from like a volcano uh, coming up and then like going down. But it's it's the non-mountainous ones. So the atolls are like those like reef looking things. And like if the sea rises like a foot, it's all underwater kind of shit. Okay, so that's why they call it an atoll in the water world because it was circular. Right, And it exactly. didn't have a center. Exactly. You never brought, you never brought that up before. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, look, you that know, that was a very definition happen. of whatever we got from you in Waterworld Part One. I mean, that's definitely not the scientific definition. That's the Devon definition, but like, I'm sure it's pretty fucking close if you pull out an encyclopedia. No, I mean, that's works. great. I understand it more now. That's why I asked again because I never really got it. Yeah. So, so you know, after season Mutium, two, baby. Yeah, season two, baby. You get more tolls. These are, these are the punch ups. <laughs> So yeah, after a mutiny on the bounty, he gets married. Uh, he marries, you know, Tarita. He buys a fucking twelve island atoll, Teteroa, and uh, yeah, he he built this whole place up. This was like islands? his. Wait, what? It was like a yeah, twelve small islands. That but like atoll. some that of those formed the atoll. So like it, the erosion can happen to where instead of it being a perfectly enclosed circle there's like pieces of it in cutaways throughout into the ocean and that mm-hmm. all 12 Four, of them together make the atoll kind of thing but some of those yeah. again are like uninhabitable too like you'll just have some that are just like rock and sand with no trees on it mm-hmm. some will be inhabited some just might be tiny little pieces sticking out of the water with a giant reef around it like you don't know it might not be 12 islands. It might be, like, three, It really. But, like, on a, you know, because of navigation, it's considered 12. Or some right. shit. I see. Okay. Right, 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 right. Cool. Uh, my Was last... he the first actor to buy an island? Nah, I don't think no so. No way. But Errol Flynn had to have. Or, like, someone, you know. Yeah. Yeah, we'll look that up. Okay. <laughs> Who's the first actor to buy an island? <laughs> Love it. And... There's the third and final punch up here. Um, you know, this is something that I'm sure all of you have gathered by now. Marlon Brando fucked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the famous people. Every famous person. Like, he fucked every single famous person before Man, him. Woman. He went back. He got CAG. He got Chaplin. You know, he was fucking... Uh, every famous person that's ever existed before Brando, he got him. You know. Uh, <laughs> not really. But he did fuck, like, Mar- Marilyn Monroe. 
He said he had sex with her. Really? Pretty sure that was a true story. Well, Rita Moreno. That yeah. really, doesn't seem too hard. Who, didn't she have sex with everybody, too? Like, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she was kind of the Marlon Brando of... The Tina yeah. Mojo of her day. Yeah, yeah, she was the lady Marlon Brando. By the way, that's coming up. Marilyn Monroe, don't worry. It's coming up. Uh, when the gonna movie be just as, comes out, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be just as uh, uplifting as the Marlon Brando story, because she also was a very... Happy go lucky, nothing tragic about her life type of person, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's gonna be very impressive. It's gonna be. You're gonna want to listen to this with like a toaster next to the bathtub, you know. Uh, but he also Marlon also he he had sex with. I'm talking like you know the range. Like if you look at the list, it is it is miles long. Uh, Rita Moreno was one of them from West Side Story. That was where he, she was. She's also just a whole fucking legend out here in these streets, you know. But he had sex with Rita Moreno. They uh, had an abortion together. She almost killed him, killed herself over him. It was this whole thing. He had sex with Richard Pryor. Everyone knows that famous story. Uh, Richard Pryor. They did Superman three together, and they wound up hooking up. Wasn't that in like 2003? <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking about 1980s and 19 or Superman 70s, right? from the 70s into the 80s. Okay, yeah, Marlon right. Brando played Jarl in Superman, uh, and we're gonna get into that way later when it gets wait. real depressing. The real question is like, did he fuck Richard Pryor before or after Richard Pryor lit himself on fire while smoking crack? <laughs> yeah, wait, what? It was before. Oh yeah. Wait, what? Oh yeah. Richard oh, Pryor like blew oh. himself up. Oh, yeah. And then talked about it in his stand-up bit, which was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. Did he look the same? Not really. No, (laughs) he kind of like... I mean, he he still looked okay, though. He he didn't look as bad as you'd think, but he blew his face up with some... uh, He was cooking up crack in his kitchen. Wait, what? And things went bad. Yeah, man. We'll get into that on the Richard Pryor episode. Oh my god. That'll be coming right after Marilyn Monroe. That'll go that'll but that'll be like a you know Season a, a two, bookend. all fun, no, no jokes. All fun, no jokes. Yeah. I, a lot of these people get very depressing. I'm sorry, I didn't do it. It's not my fault. I didn't make Marlon Brando's life as depressing as it gets, okay? When I <laughs> sought out on this journey, go ahead, Deb, go ahead. Next up after Brando, we got Philip <laughs> Seymour Hoffman yeah, and Heath yeah. Ledger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and well, Paul Walker. What happened to Philip Seymour Hoffman? He died of a heroin overdose <laughs> in a fucking hotel room. But at least well, Paul Walker I think was it like an accident. Those Philip Seymour true. Hoffman and Heath Ledger were just self-destructive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is that's exactly the vibes of today's episode. Like I said, I didn't have anything to do with this. I sure wish <laughs> I could change things. Don't blame me. I'm just the messenger, man. Marlon Brando got real fucking depressing, okay? Uh, I, part one and part two, I was like, wow. Like, this is a romp through the Great White Way and Hollywood. And then part four, I'm like, man, I'm I'm writing this uh, I'm writing this from, like, a cave, from, like, a basement, you know, with, like, a single candle lit. Um, <laughs> things, just, things just went bad. Things just went real bad. <clears throat> but he did fuck Richard Pryor. Uh, and Richard Pryor was probably like the only person that he didn't get pregnant <laughs> at the time. <laughs> because uh, another punch up that I want to make here is Marlon Brando had nine kids with three different people. That's and it? and that was it. Yeah, nine kids. I don't believe that. Not no, for a second. No, no, no. He's definitely got more kids out there that we, he didn't know about or like, you know, at least he didn't claim. He didn't tell but, Nine that he yeah. admitted to. 
Yeah, nine that he admitted to, and there were a few abortions kids, here and so there. So many still. <laughs> so many. So many. Uh, so many kids. <laughs> but oh, pretty awesome when you think about it, because that's nine more humans that get to say, "Yo, my dad was Marlon Brando." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the Genghis Khan effect. Like one day everyone will just be descended from Marlon Brando. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he was married a bunch. He had a lot of kids. I'm sorry, I didn't bring it up. I, I was talking about his career. We were too, we were too in the weeds here, you know. Uh, don't worry, I wrote you a fucking 20 page episode this time, so I got it all in here. Okay, there will be no more punch ups on Brando after this. I can promise you that. <laughs> we're, we're retiring this show after this. <laughs> in order to really get you into part four here of Marlon Brando. I'm going to bring you on your very last journey of When Are We? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Marlon Brando has been all of season two so far. (laughs) So When Are We is quite the fucking year on this part four. It is 1969. Whoa. Nice. Nice, dude. 69. Everybody was just having fun. Really crazy year. Yeah, yeah. Summer of love. Just as, it was the summer of love. Everybody's just having fun. Richard Nixon takes over the presidency from Lyndon oh Big Dick Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Big Dick Johnson. Big Dick Johnson. Everything's going great, you know, and uh, we're just landing on the moon and shit. Walmart's oh, yeah. becoming a thing. Walmart's becoming a thing? Walmart is It wasn't just, a thing before 69? It, it was a thing before, but in 69 it got incorporated, Oh, baby. that's when they really started pumping out the bullshit. Yeah, that's when America became Walmart. Hell you know yeah. You want some scooters? Yeah. You want to ride around the store in a scooter? <laughs> yeah, st- dude. Stack on the pounds, baby. That means people were Don't going to Walmart. Don't forget that little horsey ride out front with the quarters. That's that's the whole Wait, reason what? you go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, the, little, like yeah the, the little, little coin arcade horse. game things out front. Yeah. That are like oh, the like little ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd ride like the little rocket ship and shit. And oh, then you're, that was and a then, Walmart thing? Yeah, man. And then your uncle would kind of like touch you while yeah, you're on there. Hell yeah. You know? Yeah. Wait, but that was a Walmart or started someone's that? uncle. Well, Someone's uncle. Yours. It might not Somebody be. Somebody else yeah. who just left their kids. Right. They like leave their kids out front as the daycare, and then they go into yeah. Walmart and shop. Yeah. Welcome to Uncle Swap. <laughs> uncle Swap. That's a great TLC show. No, those <laughs> fucking quarter horses went back to like you know way yeah. back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It was basically the same technology as a uh, like a vibrating bed in an old motel room. Yeah. You, know, you drop in a coin and it just starts doing. Wait, shit. that was a thing. Oh yeah, man! Back in the old days, back in like the '50s, '60s, '70s, you put a coin. Suite. The honeymoon suite. You'd put a coin in a bed, and it would start vibrating while you're fucking. What? Yeah, man. You know, it's that sounds absurd. It, it was absurd. It Probably be killed a, a lot of people. Pleasurable vibrate. Most of no, the time, no, no, no. Would be like a violent shake that you're terrified for your life on. Right. It gave you like an earthquake. <laughs> Dude, the past sucks. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm alive now. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, the past Bro. did suck, except for. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, the past, I, I don't know. About, what do you mean? It kind of left it to be more, like, open-ended and adventurous. Like, I'm going to fuck this girl or guy or whatever on this honeymoon bed, but, <laughs> I, you know, am I going to live through it or not? Like, that's, <laughs> that's an, adrenaline, that's that an adrenaline rush, baby. Like, how are you? You're so safe these days. You're like, my waterbed <laughs> doesn't even try to kill me. Like, nah, man, put me in the thick of things. Deb, I read a statistic and it said the number one quote of 1969 is, am I going to live through it? That was basically what everybody was saying at the time. 
But hey, if you did live through it, the average cost of a new house was $15,550. <laughs> a brand new car off the lot is going to run you about three grand. Uh, average monthly rent on an apartment in America is about $135 a month. Please put that house number through the inflation calculator. It it actually comes out to be like a hundred grand. It 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 kind of a hundred grand for a house. Yeah, you yeah, can't, yeah, That's yeah. ridiculous. No, houses were extremely cheap, and that's, that's a insane. new house. That's a brand new you just built. That is house. fucking wild. A fucking like uh, a house that you're just buying off of someone was usually about eight grand. That's fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I take it back. The past was sick. I know, man. Here, eight grand through <laughs> yeah, the old inflation calculator. You forget that it was our parents that fucked it up for everybody. <laughs> so, like, you know, I would have loved to have gone back and where, like, lived in an era where a college degree meant something and purchasing right, power right. was an actual thing. Oh, wait, right. you're telling me I don't oh. have to be a slave to five jobs working dog shit just to eat ramen? Holy yeah, 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 yeah. What an era! <laughs> a gallon of gas at this time is 35 cents. Jesus Christ! <laughs> a gallon. And, you know, this was the fucking, that was the 60s, 70s. People are wearing bell-bottom jeans, tie-dye t-shirts, kind of gearing up to become, like, the commie hippies, you know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, this was, uh, this is also the year, the right stuff, baby. Edwin Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong become the first humans to set foot on the moon, if you believe it. Uh, it was one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind when the Apollo 11 mission was a success. We beat Wait, out the Ruskies. I'm I'm so confused. I thought for sure that we landed on the moon during Kennedy. Uh, well, no, no Kennedy no, no. was already dead. Really? So, yeah. No, no, no. You're, we went you're, to but space. you're thinking correct because Kennedy started the moon yeah. program. Yes, he didn't uh, live he, to in, see. In his speech, we choose to go to the moon not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Like that shit is what started. I actually, the whole I have it here. Race. Came just under seven years after what became known as the moon speech by President John F. Kennedy, uh, when he pledged, "We shall send to the moon." 240,000 miles away, a giant rocket, more than 300 feet tall, on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body, and then return it safely to Earth. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, <laughs> he said that, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. <laughs> And the other things. <laughs> and the other things. <laughs> we choose to do that other stuff as well. It's hard as well. Just like I'm always hard for Marilyn when she comes over to the Oval Office. That is fucking but, uh, <laughs> hysterical, dude. But we finally did it, man. 1969, Stanley Kubrick finally filmed the moon landing <laughs> at the Universal Backlot, you know. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, no way. It wouldn't be at the Universal Backlot. Stanley Kubrick famously... We'll never shoot anything that more than like five miles from his house. Oh, that's, that's right. That's why every single thing he's ever shot's been in London. That's right. Yeah. I man, you know, faking the moon landing with 
I've, we're in the industry, the three of us. We talked about it very extensively on the anniversary episode if you want to hear about the three of our uh, backstories. Y'all, I would never trust a single soul in the film industry to keep a secret like no, that. Someone like, would leak that shit. At, uh, the day. Someone a PA got, would have leaked someone that. Someone would have gotten so drunk at a house party. Absolutely. And talked to someone working for the fucking LA Times. Yep. At, or Dev, what do you think? Dev, what do you think? I, I mean, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah hell yeah okay i'll give you that that is very true who knows man maybe they were all killed who knows yeah. i mean but uh but hey i think if, if the audience out there wants to learn a, a really good reference about the arc of the lunar program from mercury to Gemini to apollo you can go watch From the Earth to the Moon, an HBO miniseries directed by Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. Starring Devin. Fuck yeah. You'll see a young 11-year-old Devin Mueller in there as an astronaut's son and a student in an astronaut classroom here in Florida at Kennedy watching a space video by Woody the Woodpecker. That is really amazing. Great. That's incredible. <laughs> I actually very much am going to go watch that. And, Dev, all I got to say is you had the right stuff, brother. I know. You know I mean? did. Yeah. And, and apparently, well, I didn't have it that right because Tom Hanks didn't ask me to come in his trailer, even though I really Yeah, he didn't even to. eat you or anything. So cute and stuff. And, like, just he never, the, never asked. He never said anything. He was nothing but polite and respectful. So... Deb, if well, it makes you like, it wasn't he's an problematic right. king and all those things about him eating babies or <laughs> whatever. Deb, if listen, if, be comforted by the fact that I would have molested the shit out of you as a kid. Don't you worry. You. I would have absolutely brought you out in there. there. Yeah. Yo, Other I've been getting uncle. so many ads on Instagram saying about kid like, molestation. Yes. What? Yes, dude. Well, hold on. I took a screenshot. I'm going to read it out loud because this is this is important. Hold on. <laughs> See, Instagram says, is just gaslighting you into being Yes, it said, <laughs> Catholic Church sexual abuse claim help. Oh, shit. We help survivors of clergy sexual abuse, even if the abuse was a long time ago. Oh, well, it's because yeah. we, we, we're we on this show. We <laughs> yeah, talk about pedophilia, like, like, once a day. <laughs> we talk about... <laughs> Sex crimes so frequently. Yes. I've been getting so many ads for like, were you touched as a kid? We yeah. can help. We. I'm sure our audience gets it too. Like every yeah. Wednesday, we come in here and talk about kid molestation. Kid <laughs> you know, I have had a couple tweets at us in the DMs that have said, "Guys, lay off the kid fucking." Because really? It's really? Wait, really? It's really no. I'm just okay. saying that to the audience. <laughs> I'm not saying we can't. That's this whole show. That's the whole thing. That's, that's film history. I mentioned this like, in James my, Cagney's episode. My film history is kid molestation. All my apps are overrun with molestation settlement <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> I mentioned this in the James Cagney part one, the pilot episode of film history. I would tell you these stories without all the child abuse, but I, I, then I would just leave out the entire fucking story. Would, like, uh, it wouldn't be accurate. Yeah, every single actor who's ever been on screen ha has been abused as a child. But uh, before we get off the Apollo 11 mission with all them in 1969... <laughs> what are we? <laughs> what are we? I want to give a little bit of credit to Michael Collins right now, the guy who drove the fucking... The Apollo 11, man. The guy drove the truck up there. It? Yeah, he Someone drove, drove it. it. Yeah, man. He he was a driver. I, I thought they just hit launch and landed on the moon. No way, man. This guy was the driver, man. He was the baby driver. He piloted, he piloted the Columbia 
the damn thing that brought Buzz and Neil to the moon, and he couldn't hang out on the fucking moon. Michael Collins, while they were on the moon for like, I think it was like 23 hours or some shit, this man had to orbit the moon alone. And he's in the command module. He was in the command module, and he's basically, while they're down there playing golf and planting flags and shit, he's just making sure that the ship is okay. And this man would, during his orbits, he would have 50-minute spans of time where he was on the fucking dark side of the moon with no communication with any other human in existence in the galaxy. And he was, at the time... The most, uh, the most isolated human in existence. And he said, quote, Not since Adam has any human known such solitude. <laughs> the dude is... Fuck- Sounds kind of peaceful. It, that's what, he actually said that. He actually said it was like a very peaceful, reflective experience. He was like, it sounds like it. Yeah, hour, I could... One hour! I get yes. all of those goddamn dramas out of my head and away. <laughs> He's like, from I get me. away from my wife, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't Your hear her bitching. One hour away from that broad. It's all I, had to I go need. To the fucking far side of the moon, but I got my peace. <laughs> she's. By the way, <laughs> go ahead. She's yelling at him about laundry. When he gets back, he's like, "That's it. I'm going back to the dark side of the moon." <laughs> <laughs> To the moon. To the moon. Well, one day. Another billion dollar space flight ticket for me, please. They're like, we can't keep Michael on Earth. Man, just, we we can't even get him back down. We've been trying to coax him down from the dark side of the moon for the past few months. We can't reach him. You think oh, it's just man. you think it's aliens on the far side of the moon? It's it's not. It's just him <laughs> setting up the first lunar base and staying there by himself. Wait, the yeah, whole time the, just to get it's away. just a man cave. It's I'm, got like a pool table. I'm confused. Can you guys explain astrophysics to me? Why did he have to orbit? Why couldn't he hang out on the moon and play golf? That part I don't know. That is okay. up so. To- the way ahead, the man. landing mechanism worked is there was a command module. Was just the shape of a cone, and then the lunar module was the rectangular ob- the odd shaped thing with the that landed on the moon with like the yeah. legs and the golden bottom so those things were connected and the Saturn V rocket shot that up out of Earth's orbit it those things got connected and those things went to the moon um, that separate the lunar module that lower piece separated landed on the moon but in order because of the technology back then the only way that they could return back to orbit and escape gravity is if they had that command module keep going around the earth and stay up there and then mm-hmm. that lunar module shoots off with a rocket like the top explodes from it and they leave the legs there and then it goes back up into the moon's orbit it connects with the command module they all the astronauts go back into the command module they shoot off the lunar module and just like I don't know, let it crash into the fucking moon or something. And then that cone command module is what they slingshot around the moon back to Earth and go back enter into Earth's atmosphere. Because again, this is 1969. So they so they're doing all this with computers and shit. Yeah, huge and analog and like none of them like. The computers in the space shuttle right then don't have as much processing power as our cell phones. Like, you know, it's like not even crazy a shit. little. It's less so processing like power than a cigarette. And paper and shit to like adjust telemetry and calculations and shit. So, so you're you're telling me that the module on the moon had to shoot off yep. and 
time it so that it connected with the thing orbiting at the exact right time. Yep. So, Read the right yeah, stuff, man. They, they do that with math because they're awesome, but it's not even, yeah. it's like you shoot up into the orbit and it, the orbit is much easier to get to from the moon because it's not as strong and there's no atmosphere. So it's kind of just like a and then they kind of are there, but you're spinning around and as long as you're both spinning at the same around, you're orbiting around the moon, as long as you're orbiting at the same speed and at the same rate to each other, you're not moving. So it's real slow easy you know like these little stabilizing thrusters that shoot out compressed air and compressed gas it's not even lit and that's what they kind of like slowly maneuver to like dock yeah but you had to figure with all less this computer out power and how this than was like going to work in the mercury and in the gemini programs leading up to apollo so they trained wow. to do this they updated the equipment they built and engineered the spacecraft over around doing it several times around earth making sure it worked before they fucking just like threw them out there at the moon yeah with less computer power than like an old pepsi bottle on the side of the road yo dude i didn't even think about this and to launch from the earth to the moon you have to calculate like the speed of the rotation of the earth yeah and, like, oh yeah 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 no, no you gotta calculate of yeah, a yeah, ton yeah. of that you you have to calculate for the sun blasting on the capsule because that uh light particles will slowly push you in a vacuum yeah. so you will drift it's almost like drift and you have to calculate for that drift in your trajectory and your angles this is why apollo 13 was so fucking impressive is because yeah. they had to they had to shut down all these systems and the astronauts up there and the people down at nasa had to do all of these calculations like manually without a fucking computer yeah on a on fucking like, like chalkboards and, and notepads and like dude on the window looking yes. out of the command module with like marker because they had to shut down the computers so everything got super cold and they were like we don't have a surface to write on bro yep. it is fucking like the peak of humanity's ability to fucking overcome and innovate out of situations and survive that math. is it you can't not look at apollo 13 and what happened and then not have hope for the future of our race i like, agree seriously i completely like, agree i'm not that worried that fucking we're gonna insane. like dude fucking i never thought that do, hard about like what it out. took to like get onto the moon. oh man there's a lot of movies about it there's a great one with uh ryan gosling about neil armstrong that's amazing and then the was right first stuff, man yeah, First Man's incredible, okay, dude. Absolutely right. watch that shit. And these guys, and it is also like, I can't stress enough, like the most dangerous fucking job on the planet, you know, yeah. type of shit. Like it is, yeah. God, it, so like, I mean I, I mean, I always knew that like astronauts were like smart and shit, but it's like, you not only have to have the bravery to be the first person to like leave You have to Earth, be a fucking genius. You have to be a genius to get the calculations right to like get back. You have to be the mixture of like the dumb like quarterback who like <laughs> will put his body on the line for the team but also like the valid victorian science nerd it, you have to be both is neil armstrong rich do we just did, did uh, we give yeah. him 14 million dollars when he got back they get like, pretty rich i mean okay. not there because we should like we should have given like, him book everything. deals appearances like whatever. yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. Like, name and likeness but they don't get as rich as you would think you know they definitely they don't be i a mean lot more rich that's for damn yeah. sure yeah, and they die by the fucking they. More of them die than people is know Armstrong about. Is Armstrong dead? 
No, actually, or wait, and Neil Armstrong, he did die, right? He might have, but yeah, I think he might have. Like, might have. like how none of us know. <laughs> well, like the interesting thing is, as crazy as the Apollo program was, we didn't have any astronauts die in space. The only he astronauts died. that died during that program were on the launch pad at yeah, the Space Center doing a test. And yeah, it was yep. a faulty Velcro. This is what you'll find out. They cover that. this in in a lot, a lot of the sagas. But like, it was because this Velcro exploded when it was compressed under high oxygen. Um, you know, fucking, it became incredibly fanable and lit all this oxygen on fire. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the astronauts just couldn't get out. So like, because of fucking Velcro, they learned about like, oh, well, I guess we can't use this type of Velcro up there anymore. But it's amazing that like. I, that oh, it happened on Earth. That's the only deaths. It didn't happen, or it, it like these test pilots, like James was saying, would die um, during a testing of an airplane in yeah. one of those situations, yeah. but not. Yeah. What? Who are people who exploded on the launch pad in like 2011, 2013, Oh, 82? that was uh, Apollo 46. I don't remember who exploded. <laughs> yeah, there was a bunch of people that exploded, but we're getting we're getting into the weeds here. I gotta get us back into one hour. We I think it was who exploded. Was it John Glenn and? No, John Glenn didn't explode. He just died. Was the train of thought on this podcast? Yeah, what, is, what, is, what are we talking about? We're talking about Marlon Brando. <laughs> we're not even there yet. <laughs> it's got, it's the rainbow unicorn bang, man. It's got me all. Yeah. Got me all. <laughs> I'm, I'm Brando. I know. Yeah. This, he died. He exploded in a spaceship. <laughs> is he in space? Is he in space? Marlon Brando's on the dark side of the moon. We're going to have to go find him. What are you talking about? <laughs> Dev's looking up stuff. No, no, no. You, get, you guys can go. I'm going to. Okay, okay. I'm trying to find out who. So, died. 1969. <laughs> no, Armstrong is dead, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He died in 2012. Rest in peace, no Armstrong. Anyway, that was Michael Collins. I wanted to give him a shout out. 1969, <laughs> the year that Michael Collins was floating around the fucking dark side of the moon. Uh, down below, uh, Woodstock is happening. Woodstock, Woodstock 69. Woodstock 69, dude. Is that the first one? Uh, I don't think dude. it was the first. It was the big one. It was Everyone the big out there, go watch the Netflix documentary on Woodstock. Oh, my yeah. God. The new the 99? Woodstock. The, yes. the 99 one? Yeah. Wasn't there an HBO one that you were talking yeah. about before? Yeah. There or was, maybe it's HBO. That's well, what it is. there's no, two there's of them one. now. There's a Netflix one now. Okay. Yeah, What's but the, the original one that you loved? I'm pretty sure it was HBO. I don't yeah, remember. what was it called? It, oh, I don't remember. Woodstock Something 99? about, like, Woodstock. Yeah. Something about that. <laughs> anyway, that was during the pandemic. This Woodstock was 69, baby. Yeah. Nice. Uh, with a crowd of 350,000 acid-soaked hippies <laughs> all gyrating and, you know, jumping in the mud and shit. This is also the year the Beatles recorded Abbey Road, their final album. Thank God they all gave us a break after this. You know, they call it quits. Uh, good fucking riddance. Uh, the world's... The world's largest. You don't like the Beatles? Hell no. The Beatles what? can suck a dick. They what? got, like, four fucking good songs. Fucking what? overrated... Yes. A girl broke you, up the band. Some dumb bitch who thought she could actually, you know, perform. You guys are <laughs> fucking insane. I just don't like their music that much. They what? have a few songs that I like. They, Day Tripper's great. Uh, you know, crazy. Come Together is okay. Like, I don't even like old things. Man. I like Jaleel. Jaleel! Jaleel! Nah, like man. Rolling Stones, baby. Rolling Stones all the way. The Beatles can suck it. Bunch of fucking <laughs> pussy-ass bitches. 
But uh, <laughs> nobody wants uh, to hear about a fucking yellow submarine. What no, submarine have you my ever God. seen that's yellow? What stupid ass color is that? Yeah, what kind of fuck? You're not gonna be a very good submarine if you're fucking yellow, all right? You're gonna get seen from a mile away. But uh, <laughs> the Russians are gonna take you out real quick. The Ruskies are gonna take you. We got to the moon, and now you're making yellow submarines. Could uh, you imagine that movie, The Hunt for Yellow Submarine? <laughs> the Hunt for Yellow. Oh my God, this might have to be an Adult Swim thing that we make immediately. <laughs> for Yellow <But> Submarine. <laughs> 1969 is also the year that the world's largest aeroplane is introduced, the Boeing 747, making its first ever commercial flight. That happened on this year. Uh, this is the year that PBS is created, the public broadcasting service, introducing Sesame Street as its, like, kind of flagship show, you know. 1969 was a very fun year. The Stonewall riots are happening, uh, or the Stonewall riot, that happened, the time where a fucking gay club in New York got busted up by the police because they're a bunch of homophobic assholes. Uh, and they're all gay themselves. They just won't admit it. The Chappaquiddick affair happened this year with Senator Edward Kennedy driving a car into a pond on July 25th, and a body of a woman passenger is later found in said car. Did you ever hear about that shit? No, I've never. The Kennedys are the most cursed people that have ever existed. By the way, we're gonna the Kennedys come up time and time again on this episode just because we're in their like era, their time, their time. The Kennedys. I'm talking if they didn't fucking get killed, they were killing people. Like the Kennedys, I, I fucking who was it? Was it Humphrey Bogart who called him like a, a fucking Irish, a fucking uh, was, uh, a no, Irish no. bootlegger? No, it was um, uh, Frank Sinatra's friend. Yeah, one of the Rat Pack guys. Yeah, what's his name? Oh, Peter Lawford, maybe. No, no, the, the D big, Martin. D Martin. Was yeah. it Dino that I think said it? Was it? Dino, yeah. Fucking Irish bootlegger. We're gonna get into that a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> Dude, the Kennedys, holy shit, what a bunch of fucking crazies those were. It's 1969, <laughs> another draft to Vietnam is being instated, fun, fun, everybody still gets to go to Nam, don't worry, if you missed your first shot, you're, you get to go again. It's another uh, draft. Yeah, there's another first draft. First one didn't get approved, so this is the second draft. Yeah, well maybe you were too young at the time, and so <laughs> we'll, we'll show you what it's like, you know, don't worry, you didn't miss the ride, we'll do another one. Uh... This is the year that Charles Manson, uh, the the Sharon Tate murder, is perpetrated by Charles Manson. Imagine this fucking year. So Imagine you're landing on the moon and Sharon Tate is murdered by Charles Manson. Like all this shit is happening. James Earl Ray pleads guilty to the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King. Really? Yeah, yeah. They, he's in trial right now. Uh, he's sentenced to 99 years in jail. And Sirhan Sirhan is also convicted this very same year for assassinating Senator Robert F. Kennedy. In the theaters, we've got fucking, it's a banger of a year. We got Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid coming out. Paul Newman, Robert Redford, baby. We got True Grit with old John Wayne. We'll talk about him a little bit later. He was a lot of fun. We got Midnight Cowboy coming out. Talking about John Voight. We got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, whoever the hell all was in that. I think that was Dick Clark or uh, or Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, Uh, not Dick Clark. He was busy doing his... Disney, though. Yeah, that was Disney. Uh, The guy who did, like, the... Long story. We got Easy Rider coming out in 1969 with old, you know, Jack Nicholson, a very good friend of Marlon Brando's, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. They live next to each other in Mulholland. We'll get into that. Oh, okay, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Uh, we're going to talk about Brando at some point. Yeah, we're going to talk about Brando at some point. I'm trying, I'm sprinting now to Brando. 
the movie Oliver wins the best picture at the 41st Academy Awards, while, while Barbara Streisand is nominated for Funny Girl and Katherine Hepburn for Lion in Winter tie for Best Actress. They tied that year for Best Actress. You can tie? You can tie. They did one year. No, you can't. Uh, if you're a woman, you can. You got to split it with the other woman. And on your old 8-track player in your Camaro in 1969, you got the Rolling Stones going. Maybe you got some James Brown going. Maybe you got some Johnny Cash, Bob Dylan, CCR, John Denver, Fleetwood Mac, Hendrix is playing, Pink Floyd, Bowie, Elton John. The list goes on. It's a good you, year for music. It's a fucking great year for music, except for that goddamn Beatles album, the Abbey fucking Road, the bullshit. And in 1969, the lead singer of... Up next, The Doors, Jim Morrison was tried and convicted on two charges of exposing himself at Dinner Key Auditorium in Miami before 10,000 people because he he is a god. He did take his dick out. Yeah. That's right. He took his dick out a lot. (laughs) Up next, Jim Morrison's dick in The Doors. And 1969... Is also the year, this was the year that Mario Puzo released the book titled The Godfather. Ooh. Yeah. It was a book? Now we're getting into the CAG. It yeah. was a book? It was a book, man. Dude, I hate how everything was a book. Everything was a book. Everything was a book. Sometimes it was a movie first, but usually it was a book first. Dude, I hate, I hate that. <laughs> you hate reading. Someone who doesn't. Is it literate? I hate that. <laughs> yeah, The Godfather of the Book was actually all three parts. The Godfather Part 1 through 3. Really? It was all in the book. Yeah, yeah. The movies Whoa, are just... that was, must have been a beefy book. It was a fucking beast of a book. It must have been a beefy boy. It was a beefy boy. The novel... It was almost longer than this episode. The novel details <laughs> the story of a fictional mafia family in New York City and uh, Long Island uh, headed by Vito Corleone, The Godfather. The novel covers the years 1945 to 19. 19- and includes the backstory of Vito Corleone from early childhood to adulthood. Wait, it wasn't based on a true story? No, it was fictional. The really? Godfather was all fictional. What about the horse in the bed? You said that was like from a thing. We those talked about were, multiple times. Those were based on stories on like, I mean, I'll put it this way. They were basically legends, you know, like that we knew were true. Uh they absolutely like kind of lampooned Frank Sinatra. If you, if anybody actually wants to see this whole story, they cover it in the Offer, the show that's on right now with Miles Teller. Um, so it was the horse in the bed in the book, or was that a movie exclusive? No, I think that was in the book as well. I'm pretty so the positive book was that wasn't also just clowning uh, Sinatra. Exactly, clowning Sinatra, but also kind of it wasn't clowning the mafia. But I'll get into it. I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Okay. But the book, Paramount Pictures wanted it bad. They obtained the rights to the novel for $80,000 at the time before it really gained popularity. They didn't want it to like get too popular and get more expensive. So they went ahead and bought it immediately whenever it came out. Through the old inflation calculator, that is $645,000 that they paid for the rights to this novel. And absolutely go watch the offer. I'm going to make a whole episode about the godfather at some point so i'm just gonna the godfather and apocalypse now are mentioned in this episode and i'm gonna tell it from marlon's side of the story because i'm gonna make episodes about both of those i was i'd imagine that's how it would go absolutely seem like things yeah 
And I mean, wait, Apocalypse Now won Best Picture, right? Oh yeah, Apocalypse so Now won. So we're gonna get to it in Best Picture. Yeah, exactly. In in twenty eighty, <laughs> when we finally get to Best Picture. If we can 60. have a new season resolution, I'd like to do more. Yeah, more Oscar episodes. I'm down with that. Yeah. Maybe after this, we'll do another Best Picture. Yeah, and just like take it easy. You yeah. know, after this five-parter. <laughs> Paramount was having a real hard time finding a director for this thing. The The first few candidates that they had lined up, they turned it down. Nobody wanted this. Uh, the Mafia was kind of dead at the point, like, as far as films went. You know, they, they really thought this was... And also, nobody really wanted to glorify the Mafia at the time. That was, like, a big thing, you know. They did... They got Francis Ford Coppola. So James Cagney retired? Yeah, Cagney was... He was retired by now. He This was, like, years after, you know. This was years before he would make, like, an appearance in a, in a film coming out of retirement-ish. But, yeah. yeah, he was long gone by now. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. I mean, the mafia films were kind of seen as... It was sort of like, they say, like, sword and sandal movies. You know, like, those movies were out. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where westerns were out. This yeah. was a time where the mafia films were kind of dead. Right, you know, yeah. the late 60s. But they did get Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, he signed up to direct this thing. He was hired for his Italian-American heritage and because he was cheap. (laughs) Uh, Because he had just done a film called The Rain People, which is, it just looks like the most terrible film you've ever seen. Uh, And it's like one of those types of movies that you'd watch, you know, with the toaster right next to the tub type of movie. Or maybe you're like playing it on your old 60s TV so you can like pull the TV into the tub with you. You know, either way, you're going to electrocute in this bathtub watching this movie. It was a terrible movie. And at the time, it's very depressing. It just looks like one of those like late 60s, you know, just very depressing movies. (laughs) But uh, he came on because he was cheap at the time after making that, after making the rain people. After making the toaster movie. (laughs) After making the toaster movie. <laughs> making the brave little toast. <laughs> and Coppola immediately had a lot of disagreements about casting for this thing. He was especially particular about Vito and Michael, which, you know, that's those are the guys you'd be particular about since they are the two main parts of this movie. Um, <laughs> he wanted Al Pacino, who at the time was extremely new, sort of more of a Broadway guy, uh, the studio Al didn't... Pacino did Broadway. Yeah, Al Pacino was a Broadway guy, man. Al Pacino was like a, he was Whoa. almost like a cag. He was like a tap dancing singing boy, you know. Before <laughs> he be, tap dude, he did all of it. He did like King Lear and shit, Whoa. you know. Like Al Pacino was a big stage guy. Wow. So it was Christopher um, Walken. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Some of these tough guys, man. Some of these tough guys started out in tap dance shoes. Fat Boy Slim, hey, you're not the of choice. That's the question. Yeah, that's right. He was dancing in that. So that they was... for the music video for Weapon of Choice, they were like, "We're only gonna do this video if we can get Christopher Walken to classically tap dance throughout the whole thing." That's right. And that's all it is. It's just him tap dancing, and then he sits back down in the chair. It's hilarious. <laughs> Where art thou? Oh, thou is not here. <laughs> Othello, what is Othello. he doing over there with the, 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 the lion and the salmon? I don't like it. Coppola had, yeah, he wanted Marlon Brando as well. He wanted Al Pacino, he wanted Marlon Brando. Uh, Al Pacino, Paramount was kind of like, look, we don't really like him, he's too green. Marlon Brando was an absolute fucking no-go. Paramount was like, no way in hell, we're not hiring this guy. 
Uh, but it was Mario Puzo as well who wrote the book, and Coppola, who very much wanted Brando to play the Don. But at the time, he was 47 years old. He was washed up. He was like this like activist at this point, which pissed off a lot of Paramount people, of course. Uh, he was very loud about his beliefs. You know, the man was giving speeches at Black Panther meetings Whoa. and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy he shit. was rad. And in part three, you know, I was talking about, I mean, in the 60s, he was kind of, he was really washed up, dude. No studio wanted to take this guy Because he was too drunk, right? He was, he was drunk, but he was also, Marlon Brando was very weird. Like, the more that I got into this, I always knew he was a weird guy, but now I'm thinking, like, the man had some stuff going on upstairs. Like he was very, very weird. I'm gonna get into it today. Uh, I forgot just... the timeline. This was was this post or pre him telling James Dean that he's chill the fuck out. This was post. <laughs> yeah, this would have been way after. Like no, yeah, that was the ironic part about him Dean telling James dead. Dean that. Right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, James yeah, I Dean just forgot the years dead. on the thing, but yeah. yeah, because he told James Dean, yo, you're too weird, right? Yeah, 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 which was insane. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're too weird, and he's meanwhile, he's like butt naked while he's telling James Dean this, like trying to fuck him or something. You know, he's like fucking Marlon Pryor, Marlon Brando Pryor, Richard Pryor. <gasps> But, uh, inside Richard Pryor. Yeah, inside so, Richard yeah, Pryor. Chill out, kid. If I were to compare Marlon Brando to someone in nineteen, like nineteen sixty nine, Marlon Brando. If I were to compare him to someone nowadays, I would say he is Joaquin Phoenix at this point. Like okay, just yeah, a little yeah. bit unhinged, but great fucking actor and very like, depressing to be around. Very depressing to be around. Great fucking actor though. And, and activist, but even at that, you still don't like him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, man. He was exactly like that. It was kind of like the guy who you worried about you it's know like you make me want to be a worse person yeah 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 just because yeah, yeah. i don't like you yeah you worry about the guy and he's he's one of those guys he'll always be a legend extremely revered but just a little bit too nuts for the studio you know mm. uh, people just don't really he's good he's not putting up with his bullshit <laughs> yeah uh, at the time he was regarded as toxic washed up and according to the one of the big producers of The Godfather, Robert Evans, he was as dead as could be. His career was done. And for his part, Brando wasn't even interested in the role at first. He did, he also was he didn't he dismissed it. He said, "I'm I'm not a mafia Godfather. I'm not going to glorify the mafia." You know, imagine the whole '60s. He goes, he's like this activist of the '60s, mm-hmm. and he's like, "What now? I'm going to play a gangster?" You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? He didn't even want the role in the I'll first play place. Play a wife beater, but a gangster, I draw a line. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. And. uh he actually got a letter from Mario Puzo, though, the author of The Godfather. And at the time, you know, he's in debt. He's fucking, he's hooked on volume at this time. He's got like a real volume. Marlon Brando? Yeah. He's Mar- hooked on volume? Yeah, yeah, volume? yeah. He was loving him some volume at the time. That's a painkiller, right? It's, uh, it's more like a Xanax. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Xans? Yeah, it's benzos. Which okay. is like yeah. incredibly dangerous and difficult to get off of, more so than opiates. Like, it does yeah. neurological damage. Really? It can kill you if you don't wean yourself off. Like, they're, I mean, all they're of more can kill addictive. You. No, dude, like, benzos are like a different fucking animal. They're probably the worst. Maybe the only other thing worse is like crack. But, but yeah. it, it, or maybe some like shooting heroin, but like, honestly. Benzodiazepines, those are the worst withdrawals. Like, the withdrawals can last for, like, months. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Like, yeah, you can be hospitalized That's... for, like, months at a time because, like, you physically have to, like, 
trickle yourself if, off and like you it's know it's essentially xanax right it's xanax but it's like it, this was like the shit that you know they they killed Marilyn monroe with or Marilyn monroe died right, from the volume yeah like uh benzos were judy garland you Whoa. know Marilyn monroe it, a real actor drug but yeah a real it's, actor it is, drug it is xanax but times a thousand you know the shit that he was on i mean his was volume which is you know kind of mm-hmm. kind of the same shit but a little bit different but also i mean at the rate that these people would get it you know you can yeah. imagine but he received a letter from mario puzzo at the time oh and he's also in like big time debt he he bought a fucking an atoll you know like <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 the yeah. dude was spending his money and yeah, he's buying yeah, a lot yeah. of volume at the time as well <laughs> he is he the the he learned the value of money yeah yeah he was like he went from not wanting the money to be like oh money buys volume i'm yeah. gonna buy that i'm gonna use i need that that one million dollars from mutiny on the bounty is dwindling fast <laughs> um it's it's not lasting very long and now we're in 1969 this is like you know, six years later type of mm-hmm. shit. Seven years later, something you like that. You a lot of Zans in six years. Yeah. And Mario Puzzo, Mario Puzzo writes, Dear Mr. Brando, I wrote a book called The Godfather, which has had some success, and I think you're the only actor who can play The Godfather with that quiet force and irony. And he put in parentheses here, the book is an ironical comment on American society. The part requires. So... Mario Puzo was trying to say, I get it. You don't want to glorify the mafia. But let me just tell you, that's not what this is. Yeah, this movie is Mm -hmm. not going to glorify the mafia. This is not going to make people want to join the fucking mob. Like, Mm -hmm. this book is, is, it's almost like, um, and not lampooning it in any Mm -hmm. sort of way, but showing the grit. The dirty side of it. The dirty side of it, yeah. Is the mob still going strong at this point? Uh yeah 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 1969 this oh yeah this was like the fucking Vegas days this was Mm. this was the Frank Sinatra times where you know Frank Sinatra is getting in with the Chicago. This movie must have been pretty controversial. It was very controversial, and there were a lot of again. This is all in the offer, but Mm. uh, a lot of like death threats were made to Mario Puzo. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of they they had to take out the term the mafia in the book in order to like not piss off the mob like there was Whoa. they they had a lot of requests from the mafia about what it could like, and could go joe uh joe colombo and he's one of the five families dons he uh backed the italian american anti-defamation league which that's was right. like that's right protesting in new york and washington and like all these italian communities to be like don't be racist against Italians and by calling us all criminals and by calling us a mafia, you're being racist where he's the head of the mafia doing that. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mob was like, stop hey, talking bad stop about us. Stop saying we need some spaghetti, all hey, right? Hey, we don't need that much spaghetti. We're just some guys down the corner, all hey, right? Yo, that's that's so funny. That sounds like, I could have been wrong about who it was. That sounds yeah. like a fucking Family Guy joke. Yeah, I mean, it kind of hey, was. Hey, it it's the anti-Italian discrimination <laughs> league. Hey, oh, hey, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, hey. But Mario Puzo was basically saying, like, we are going to do, you know, he almost said, like, we're going to do Public Enemy with Cagney. Like, we're the Public Enemy. We're going to do a Public Enemy. We're going to do a Public Enemy. That movie did not make you want to be a gangster. Like, if you watch it all the way through and you watch the end and you still want to be a gangster, that's, that's a different story. Uh, yeah, but hey, we're, we're gonna definitely going to do a Public Enemy over here. <laughs> so, Brando, this letter did move him. It definitely, you know, maybe he should do this type of thing. Uh, but he talked to Coppola about it. He was kind of like asking if he would even be able to convince the producers that he's the guy for this role in the first place. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, Robert Evans did not want him at all. None of the producers wanted him. Paramount didn't want him. And he had gained... He had gained this reputation of the biggest pain in the ass in town as well. Like, along with all the shit that he was doing. Back to Streetcar, even. His third film ever, he instantly became a nightmare. You know, the guy was always a nightmare to work with. Even before then, on Broadway. I don't know if you remember me talking about it, but Jessica Tandy, who played with him on Streetcar on Broadway, she labeled him an impossible, psychotic bastard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on Broadway before he even started film. He was like just impossible to fucking work with. And a mutiny on the bounty, they said he demanded the studio fund the renovation of an abandoned building for him to live in uh, with studio money far away from the set, far away from like the cast and crew and everything. And he also was reported while filming, uh, they said he gave chlamydia to like half the island, <laughs> according to the locals. And he was just, it was a nightmare, man. He was just a nightmare to work with type of guy. But that's so funny. (laughs) But Coppola really wanted to. the doctor, dude. Yeah, no, no, no. No time. We're filming. You have chlamydia too, dude. Don't you want to not have chlamydia? No, man. Did we we have a cure for chlamydia at this time? I'm sure. Penicillin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just just shoot him up full of penicillin. Just down some penicillin. No, man. Valium. Huh. He was curing it with Valium and sex. He was curing his chlamydia with sex. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was just getting it all out. If I expel enough of it, I won't exactly. Have it if I just give it to everyone else, they'll have it, and then I'll be rid of it. You know. But Coppola <laughs> still wanted Brando. He stuck to his guns, and Paramount basically made a compromise with him. They said, "Okay, we'll take him on. He can do this movie, but under three conditions." First, he must pay a $1 million bond for his insurance. <laughs> he has to pay a million dollars to be in this movie. <laughs> he uh, gets it back, right? Like, it, it's like yeah. a, it's like a, it's like a security deposit. Yeah, if he doesn't fuck anything deposit, up. Right? Yeah. yeah, it is a $1 million bond to ensure, quote unquote, from Paramount, his shenanigans, as they put it, wouldn't delay production. Shenanigans! <laughs> his shenanigans. Uh, his one million, shenanigans! His $1 million you know, shenanigans insurance. That would have been a great insurance. restaurant for him to open. If Marlon Brando shenanigans. opened a restaurant and called it shenanigans, it would have been oh, shit. as popular Shen- as Carabas or Fridays. <laughs> he could have opened it up on his atoll in Tahiti. Shenanigan insurance. Shenanigan insurance. He's got to take his shenanigan insurance. Uh, he has to also take whatever offer we decide to give him for this role. Like, he can't negotiate. There's mm-hmm. no negotiations. And he also has to do a screen test. He's got to audition for the role. Oh, my God. Which Marlon Brando has to audition. That's, That's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they basically, they agreed. Coppola agreed. Brando agreed. And Coppola convinced him to do the screen test in makeup. He said, like, really fucking kill this screen test. Really do you it, know, yeah. show them you are Don Corleone. And the whole character, I mean, it, you know, it is credited as built by Marlon Brando. Who knows? It, it was basically probably like a makeup artist friend of his who really did it, you know. But he showed up to the screen test 
like you see him in the movie. He's got the cotton swabs in his mouth. He had prosthetics put on his face. Like I was saying, you know, in the last part, he was a handsome guy still at 47. He was still lean. He's still That's handsome. He still looked great. Insane. Yeah, he just that whole the Godfather was full prosthetics. That's fucking yeah. wild. He was not an old dude. man at the time. He was not an old man. That's some yet. Christian Bale shit. That's some Christian Bale shit, man. He really went all out. Like he was fucking Gary Oldman. Yeah, shit. he was very serious about this, and he shows up to the test. Uh, he does Don Corleone and Paramount was like, okay, you convinced us. You're the fucking guy. But remember, <laughs> remember our stipulations. So here's the offer. Uh, it is $120,000 for this role. And through the old inflation calculator, that's about 900000 ish these days. Which is great. Not a bad payday, but you know. It's not even as much as his insurance. Exactly. It's not as much as his insurance. He not was even in nearly. It was a $100,000 of... deficit. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, then that was at the time. He was actually more like $880,000 because he oh, paid the million dollars. Right. He only got paid one hundred twenty. dollars Right. Because yeah, I'm, I'm inflation calculator. Yeah. I did the old inflation calculator. But, and you know, he had made a million for Mutiny on the Bounty. Wow. So he's going all the way back down here. So he's going into debt to do this. I think he really wanted of the role like he yeah. absolutely had to i won't go much more into the godfather he kills it if you haven't seen it you absolutely have to change that immediately yeah even though i've seen the godfather yeah, come on if you I, haven't seen the godfather even though i've seen the fucking godfather you gotta see the fucking even though godfather. I've seen the fucking godfather uh, i've never seen part two or three though yeah they're good i everybody hated part three i thought it was amazing i thought you can't have the you can't have the trilogy without part three which yeah. sounds which is obvious well but, what, what did people not like about part three I think it was. They said it was boring, but for me, I like. They're a good all boring fucking movie. boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all yeah. fucking boring movies. Yeah. They're still yeah. good, but there's boring as shit. You we'll know do. What I mean? we'll, we'll do a full, a full Godfather thing. Okay. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> we'll um, do a Godfather. Thing. Deb, what do you think of the Godfather? You big friend, big fan. I love the Godfather. I think people didn't like the third one because it was just made so late, so much later than the first. So like it was. They're like, oh, it's not nostalgic. It's not like the first one. Like, yeah, of course. When you ever see something for the first time, it's always better than if you try to redo it, you know, 10 years later or whatever. But Godfather Part 1 and 2 were masterful. I like uh, Andy Garcia in Part 3. He was dope. You know, that was kind of like the big launch for his career. Yeah, he was great in that. It wasn't great, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. Dude, I didn't quite realize until I was doing this episode how big that fucking movie was, dude. The Godfather, part oh, yeah. one. Let me run you through these numbers. It's, it's Infinity War. This movie... <laughs> what's it? Infinity War. It was like Infinity War. Oh, yeah. I mean, was, that's a Marvel thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yes. Kind of. It was... Yes. And then Endgame was part two. Oh, right, and then right, fucking, right, right. You know, part three, no Endgame. Dude, fuck I, I, yeah, kind of those numbers, man. This movie comes out March 23rd of 1972. The first night it is out, it makes $300,000 domestically. That's great. That's all well and good. But by the 26th, from $300,000 on the first night, three days later to March 26th, this movie made $133 million domestically in 1972. What's the inflation calculation on that? Through the old inflation calculator, that is a little over $1 billion in three 
days. What? Domestically. What the fuck? Not internationally. It didn't what? even come out until November. What the internationally. fuck? That's insane. It was fucking... What the fuck? It was the biggest movie in history at the time. What the fuck? It was the highest grossing movie in history at the time. This was like Avatar. This was like fucking... Dude, The Godfather was the biggest shit in the world That's at the crazy. time. And imagine Marlon making his 120 grand, being like, motherfucker. Yeah, no points <laughs> on the back end. That was the last time he did that, yeah, by the way. Yeah, I was about to say, he renegotiated for part two, I'd imagine. Uh, he renegotiated for everything after this. He Marlon Brando was not a poor man after this. <laughs> he, he, he never again would be paid so low. I can tell he, you that. He was never going to be asked to give a bond again. No, never, 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 never. Uh, it is showered with Oscars. This thing is nominated, wins everything. Brando himself gets his uh, another fucking Oscar, Best Actor. But he refuses this one, right? Yeah, this is the one he refused. He famously did not attend the ceremony, choosing instead to have himself represented by Sasheen Littlefeather, a.k.a. Maria Cruz, a uh, Native American Californian actress, and uh, during the speech, she clarified that Brando respectfully refused the award due to the poor treatment of American Indians in entertainment. And after several jeers were drowned out by applause, Little Feather further stated that she hoped she had not intruded and that our hearts and understandings will meet with love and generosity. And she moved out of the way just before John Wayne pulled the trigger and <laughs> shot onto the stage because uh, he was very much trying to murder her. Yeah, John Wayne is like, I'm a terrible person and I'm going to fucking just <laughs> do a, the worst thing possible. Uh, Can we I'm do a, a terrible hit job person, on John Pilgrim. Wayne soon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go into the... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do a fucking episode on that guy. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's see how much everybody likes that fucker after, after I get done with him. I'll do an eight-parter on John Wayne. Just fucking... <laughs> I'm a terrible person, Pilgrim. Uh, I'm Genghis Khan, Pilgrim. Now listen yeah, yeah. here. We're going to round up all these here Chinamen... And we're gonna yeah. I, I keep forgetting you play Genghis Khan. That's so absurd. Oh, that's oh, so dude. stupid. Just talk about the fucking most like bumbling idiot, horrible man that's ever spawned. Who became like the biggest movie star in the world. He he is the problem with America. He's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm not even sorry. No, fuck. I'm no, not fuck sorry. John to say Wayne. Fuck, fuck John, John Wayne. Wayne. We're he doing a hit job on him. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> season six is all about John yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Anti John Wayne is where we're going. Uh, <laughs> but this is where. Okay, so now Brando does The Godfather. And this is when he becomes 70s Brando. We're getting into the 70s now 70s with old Brando. Brando. 70s Brando is a different beast, you know. <laughs> uh, mainly Godfather movies. I mean, two and three are during this time as well. He does The Last Tango in Paris in 1973. That got him another Oscar nomination. The guy is coming back. Like, Brando is fucking back. You know what I'm saying? Like, the 60s are over. Brando's fucking back. The Godfather brings him back into 
the stratosphere, and he is once again this huge uh, actor with a lot of weight behind him, and actually a lot of weight on him as well. Uh, <laughs> pretty soon here, not in the 70s. He'd stay pretty thin through that time, but oh boy, that'll change. The 80s are a different story. The 80s are a different story, and the 90s are a very different story. He made it all the way to the 90s? Yes, he did. We're going to talk about the 90s, maybe in part five, but <laughs> we're going to yeah, talk dude. about it. Yeah. Oh boy, the '90s for Marlon Brando gets real sad. Uh, but we're still. When are we? When are we? 1990. It's the fucking. Uh, I don't remember. Who knows? As as uh, Motley Crue was we're on a tour the way at to some Kurt point. Cobain days. Yeah, Kurt Cobain and Marlon Brando, the two happiest guys on earth. Uh, but, but luckily we're not. But luckily we're not there yet. We're still in 1978 at this point. Yeah, those guys existed at the same time. Like. What a sad, what a sad what earth a sad we lived decade. on. What a sad decade. Even like the cockroaches weren't even coming out at the time. Like fucking, just sad. In 1978, Marlon Brando plays Jor-El, Superman's dad. Oh, okay, I didn't know there was a Superman movie all the way back in the 70s. Oh yeah, that's Christopher Reeves, man. Oh, that's where yeah. Reeves was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. seems insane. How the fuck do you do a Superman movies of 70s technology? Oh, I'll tell you how they did it with a lot of money. <laughs> you get thrown off. You break your legs. And and get unable to walk. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You get yeah. thrown off a horse. Jesus, dude. Good lord, man. Walt That's Disney killed a guy shots. with his. That and... horse buck him off. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. That might have been the CIA as well. They were after Christopher Reeves. But uh, he played Jor-El in this thing. Superman's dad, for those of you who don't know who Jor-El is. This one was a very different story. My man Marlon, for this one, demanded $3.7 million dollars and through the old inflation calculator, that's around seventeen million dollars. But for Jorel, for Jorel, and it does not stop there, my friend. Let me tell you about this man's contract. It is not just the three point seven million. It is also eleven point seventy five percent of the back end of Superman went to Marlon Brando, and he he worked for thirteen days. He is on screen for 20 minutes of the film. I was about to say, Jor-El is a very small role. Yes. Because spoilers for Superman, uh, his dad doesn't make it that far. No. The planet gets blown the fuck up. He I'm surprised there's that much of Jor-El. Jor-El's five minutes. He's a five-minute character. He has 20 minutes in this one. He read cue cards for the role. Not only that, he hardly read the cue cards. He mostly came up with all the shit himself, which... Is you don't genius? How the fuck do you improv a, like a, a made up spaceship? It was brilliant, and it's so funny when you is watch. Is it accurate? When, I mean, I you'll to have to see it. You'll have to see it. There's okay. a the part where he's sending Superman down to Earth in the little pod. Mm -hmm. He gives like a probably like. 10 minutes of his 20 minute on screen appearance, 10 minute monologue, and the actress next to him is clearly like. I don't know where this man is going. I don't. He. We are way off script now. I want to see this so it's bad. It's so good, but it's genius. I see this so bad. But the stuff he is saying is fucking pure genius. Like it is no it wonder fits? that they kept it. In. It fits. Richard Donner must have been like, we're keeping it. It is genius. Like he goes into this like, I can't be with you you have to take my strength like i'm sending my boy to earth it's fucking brilliant i gotta watch this. marlon brando there's no doubt really truly was still one of the best actors in the world he had just become totally disillusioned by the whole thing he just he 
he had become this thing where he was disappointed in the way the industry went. He was disappointed in the way he went. He was full of Valium, you know. He had just like <laughs> full of value. Yeah, and let's be honest, he was already fucking nuts, you know. But that being said, everything that he did, he was still amazing. You know, he was still incredible. Apocalypse Now is like, uh, I mean, a masterpiece. Like his part. Never made it to the Brando. I know part, we though. we still haven't made it. I showed you Apocalypse Now one night. We never made it to the Brando we, part. We it's watched two different that movies. movie for eight hours. We got halfway through it. <laughs> it was an amazing eight hours, but we, we like, that movie is long as fuck. But so Superman opens. Superman comes out, and remember, he's got eleven point seventy five percent of the back end. He almost eleven and three quarters of a fucking point on this thing. Uh, and this thing opens to eleven point seventy five percent. So fucking funny. That's huge. Just it's a eleven or twelve. Eleven point seventy five percent. That's fucking so re- weird. It's how many other producers are in the pool in the percentages mm-hmm. of the pool because it's a waterfall distribution. It it, mm. it makes sense when you if you want me to like okay. explain to you off air. It's it's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It does. Yeah, Dev and I have worked a lot with fucking divvying up points back in the day. <laughs> But uh, but this movie opens to three hundred million dollars its opening weekend, and if you're wondering, I did do the math. Marlon's eleven percent cut of that would come out to around thirty six million dollars in the seventies, in the early seventies, on top of his three point seven million. What's that inflation calculator? Through the whole inflation calculator, his total that he brought in from the first Superman movie was around one hundred and sixty million dollars today. That's how much he made in one fail swoop in one weekend, basically. This man became a god, dude, to read cue cards and like just come up with your Robert own dialogue. Jr. ever made that much from fucking uh, Iron Man. This is this is why I wanted to do Marlon Brando. This is one of the reasons, like in the very first place, like I'm telling you, the man is film history personified. He's not the main fucking character. He's not, he's not even close to being the main character. He's not even a villain. How much did Christopher Reeves make? Not nearly that much. <laughs> <laughs> and he, Christopher Reeves wasn't very happy about it either. I'd um, imagine not. Because <laughs> he's fucking pissed too. was a fucking name and an icon like Marlon That's true. Brando. You That's know very what I mean? true. Like, yeah, this is arguably Christopher Reeve's like breakout role in like a big mainstream thing. Like, sure, he'd done other stuff, but nothing as big as Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Crowe didn't get that much for playing Jor-El. That's for damn I sure, know, dude. No way. Yeah. And well, Russell Crowe actually phoned it in from Australia. That's why he's a hologram <laughs> in most of the movies. Dude, uh, he's Marlon wanted to actually. <laughs> Marlon wanted to do that. Marlon said he didn't even want to be on camera for Jor-El. He was like, all right, tell you what, for this 11.75% and my 3.7 million, I kind of just want to do VO, by the way, if that's cool with y'all. And they were like, all right, no, bro. Like, you got to give us something. You got to at least put the fucking suit on, my man. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't want to VO this. I don't even want to be in this. Just my voice. It's just like, I think Marlon Brando's in this movie. I can hear him somewhere off screen. He's just like talking from the fucking rafters as Jor-El. <laughs> fucking dude. I swear to God, the man was so crazy. But he made it. He made his fucking money. Uh, but Christopher Reeves, he had this to say. He said, uh... <laughs> He said, oh, and he's on Letterman, by the way. Christopher Reeves is on Letterman uh, uh, talking about Superman. And he said, I must say, 
I don't say this to be vicious, but I don't worship at the altar of Marlon Brando because I feel like he's copped out in a certain way. He's no longer in the leadership position that he could be. He could really be inspiring a whole new generation of actors by continuing to work, but what happened is the press loved him whether he was good, bad, or indifferent. Where people thought he was this sort of institution no matter what he did, so he doesn't care anymore. And I just think it'd be sad to be his age and not give a damn, that's all. I just think it's too bad that the man has been kind of forced into that hostility. And uh, and it was really becoming apparent that things weren't all good at Marlon's head at the time. This is like I was saying, like he had already kind of checked out. And Christopher Reeves, what he's basically saying is like, this guy had the world in his hand. He's the best actor. We all worship this man. And instead of taking that and like leading this new generation of actors, he kind of checked out and became disassociated with all of it. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that's a very fair criticism. I think Marlon Brando heard that, him saying that, and practice magic and place a curse on Christopher Reeves and <laughs> every other Superman that followed for like the next 30 years. <laughs> well, this was during the time where Marlon was also careening into, I'll talk about it, but his like 4 a.m. hot dog binges at Pink's Hot Dogs Hell on La Brea. Yeah, dude. yeah, this was around this time where this, well, and, and not, it didn't actually begin. I, I'll get into it. 4 a.m. hot dogs, brother. <laughs> yeah, bro. First, I got to tell you, so 1979 comes along. Mm. Now Brando's back on top. You know, he's back doing his thing. Or at least he's back in a position where he is making money again as an actor. Mm. Uh, 1979 comes along, and it is time for Apocalypse Motherfucking Now, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, This is one of my favorite films ever. It's probably in my top three films ever made. Ooh, what's the other two? What's the other two? Oh, man. Dude... I, I go back and forth like any given Sunday, Black Hawk Down are big ones for me. These are movies that I watch all the time. But I mean, Apocalypse Now is just, it's a masterpiece. It is it is the mm. Odyssey, you know, it is like a Homer Vietnam story. You know, mm. it's like, I, it's, it's just incredible. It's just the best. Mm. And one day we're going to do probably like a three-parter on mm. that movie. Just, yeah. uh, it's, it was also one of the most cursed films ever made. The set was absolutely fucking cursed, brutal, over budget. We talked about it on our cursed films episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we threw it a mention, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, You know, we're talking about the movie that was over budget also getting destroyed by storms. They're killing live animals. Uh, Dennis Hopper needs more cocaine (laughs) from the fucking movie budget. (laughs) Dennis Hopper needs more cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this episode is coming up very soon, so I'm not going to get into very much. I'm just going to, again, tell Marlon's <laughs> side of the story. He's working. He's working. And I want to do this before the summer ends, actually. I want to get an apocalypse now, so I'm going to try very okay. soon to get this in. I don't know how that works. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but <coughs> Brando signs up for Apocalypse Now because this is Coppola once again. Uh, Coppola is still the biggest Brando stan. You know, he still loves Brando no matter what this man does. <laughs> kind of like what Christopher Reeves was saying. There are certain people in the industry that no matter what this man does, they will 
which is very funny because Coppola just hired Shia LaBeouf to do his next film. So <laughs> Coppola's got a type, man. He's got a type of dude, you know. And the more you ruin your career, the more you uh, the more Coppola wants. The you. more Coppola wants you. Absolutely. He just wants unhinged people. He wants unhinged fucking people. He's like, I can what capture I the unhinged. Is, no, I was thinking about this when you, when we were talking about Shia earlier because I was like, is it, as a director, I think Coppola probably is like. Look, this actor can convince people in real life of all this bullshit and nonsense. And they're so good at that that they're definitely going to be able to do the job on on camera, on screen. So I think that was kind. Of, that would be my guess if I had to be like, yeah. why do you like this person or, you know, this type of personality? Well, because, like, look at how good they are when they want to and they put their mind to things. Yeah, yeah. They're like no tortured people that yeah, I can exploit for my art. Hey, it was an entourage. Yeah. Remember, he, uh, they, he got cast for being street smart. That was a whole different yeah. thing. Anyway, yeah, yeah. but uh, so so Marlon Brando signs on for Apocalypse Now. Long story. I'll tell you one day. Don't worry. But uh, he is offered three point five million for this as well. So he's 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 got his fee now. So he getting points on the back end. I, I'm sure he made points on the back end of Apocalypse Now. If he made that much on Superman, I'm mm. quite sure his contract looked about the same for this. Uh, but he shows up for Colonel Kurtz, the the part that he's playing. Again, just a genius performance. Uh, but he was 300 pounds when he showed up for set, <laughs> and they did not write him. To be that heavy, they didn't. They didn't quite mean for him to be that heavy in the script. Um, and this whole time, so there's a thing behind this. The 300 pounds. There's a reason. This whole time, this whole time, hot dogs. Hot dogs are the reason. Hot dogs are the reason. This entire time that I've been telling you about Marlon Brando for the past few weeks, for the past however long this season has been going on film history, however long we've been sitting in these chairs, uh, there has been an underlying eating disorder that this man has developed from the time he was a kid, basically. Yes. He was a binger. He was very much, uh, he called it his gorge fest. That was, he was very much into, like, fucking huge amounts of food at once and just... Eating it in a record amount, a record number of time. He would have been a great, you know, like uh, hot dog eating, hot dog eating competition guy. Fair, yeah. Yes, yeah. If he didn't become a million dollar actor, he would have been done great at the twelve dollar fair. <laughs> back on his very first film, The Men, that I talked about back in the day, actor Richard Erdman, who was in there with him, he said Marlon's diet at the time consisted of junk food, takeout, and peanut butter which he would consume by the jar full in one sitting. He would just eat a fucking jar of peanut butter. And by the mid-50s, Marlon had become renowned for eating box of Malamars cinnamon buns and he would wash it all down with a quart of milk, usually. He was big into drinking milk as well. <laughs> His second Gross. wife... His second wife, Movita. Oh, that's so bloating. Yeah, man. His second wife, Movita, actually put a lock on the fridge, and he would break into it at night. He would, like, fucking, like, cut the lock off of this bitch and eat, like, everything in the fridge. Like, every single... How did he keep the weight off all those years, then? He would kind of go into, like, freak diets in between. So he, he was... Like, fast? Yeah. He would, like, do a big fasting thing, uh... But when he was when he was eating, this man was eating. He'd go to Pink's, like I was talking about earlier on La Brea over here. By the way, great hot dogs. If anybody likes hot dogs, go to Pink's. You got to check it out when you're in town. It's kind of a shitty area now, but still, go. 
But uh, he'd go to Pink's at like 3 or 4 a.m., and this man would eat like 20 hot dogs. Like, he would just sit down, he'd order them all, go and sit down at a table, and just fucking consume these bitches at like 3 a.m. Consume these bitches. There was a guy who worked there who said he ate 40 hot dogs one night before he left. <laughs> he just sat there for like an hour oh, and an ate hour? 40 hot took? dogs. Yes, That's dude. That's all it took? Yes. <laughs> When he was filming Mutiny on the Bounty in 1962, uh, James Taylor, the costumer for the movie, claims that Brando split 52 pairs of pants during the shooting of this film due to his wild swings and weight. And this necessitated a stretch fabric be used on his wardrobe replacement clothes, and he split those too. <laughs> he split the stretch fabric. During this time, Marlon was also once observed taking a five-gallon tub of ice cream and rowing himself out to a lagoon to eat it all by himself away from people's judgment. The fuck? Yeah, man. It was five gallons. Five gallons of, of ice cream. Ice cream? Yes. That's arguably In a the most gangster shit ever. By yourself? Yes. yes. He, he's no Kevin. Did Costner, he row out sure. there because he didn't want to share with anyone, or <laughs> he didn't want them to see him, him eating five <laughs> gallons of ice cream? Both, man, both. And he's filming a movie at the time. He's the first million-dollar actor. Five <laughs> gallons <laughs> at one time of anything. And this is this one was con- this one was. Uh, attributed to his uh, eating, but this one I attribute to him being an insane person. <laughs> um, they said in what was possibly Marlon's strangest eating exploit, which yeah, I'd fucking say so. It was reported that during a during the filming of Missouri Breaks in 1976, he fished a frog out of a pond, took a bite out of it, and threw it back into the pond. <laughs> What's that? That's not him. That's a crazy That's person. That's a crazy person. That's, yo, at least fucking uh, uh, the Kiss Man was like trying to do a performance on stage yeah. with the bat. Gene yeah. Simmons. Oh, that was Ozzy. Ozzy, Ozzy. Oh, Ozzy? That was Ozzy? If, if Kiss had done that, that'd be an interesting. <laughs> wait, wait. That was, that was Kiss Ozzy? Concert. Gene yeah. Simmons? Oh, yeah, shit. That was Ozzy, man. Gene Simmons ever ate nothing? Uh, he ate a lot of vaginas. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> 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 in his strangest eating thing. exploits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in his strangest eating exploits. <laughs> he did like raw fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. Marlon loved to fucking eat. That's the bottom line. This man loved to eat. Uh, he was very much an eating eating type of dude. It was definitely his past. Oh, a live frog you put in front of him. Oh my god! They were like, "Well, I guess when you're hungry, it's like, no, that man's insane. Like that man needs to be like locked away. Like, I He's guess when you're hungry, just eating fucking toads with DMT on their back and nobody knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's maybe. That's the chlamydia talking, my guy. Stop maybe, eating frogs. Maybe he was just getting fucked up. <laughs> so when he shows up to Apocalypse Now, Coppola, Coppola said. He was already heavy when I hired him, and he promised me that he was going to get in shape. And I imagined that I would, you know, if he were heavy, I could use that. But he was so fat. He was very, very fat. <laughs> he was very, he said he was very shy about it. He was very, very adamant that he didn't want to portray himself that way. 
And Brando admitted to Coppola that he had not read the book Heart of Darkness, as he had also asked him to do. Uh, and he had not lost the weight. He had not read the book. He had not read the script. And he didn't do anything. He basically was getting paid $3.5 million to not prepare for this movie at all. Um, <laughs> the script, <laughs> if you want no. me to prepare, you got to give me $100 million at least. Like, it's yeah. 3.5. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you're paying for, guys. It's oh, bullshit. Man. It makes I'm me here. <laughs> it makes me love Tropic Thunder even more. Because yeah. Tropic Thunder is a parody of a lot of things, but especially Apocalypse Now. Yeah. And like there's that scene at the end where he's like, okay, that's fine. You guys didn't read the book, but you guys read the script, right? <laughs> nope. 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 <laughs> no, he did not. There was and a Colonel Kurtz. Well, there was a script. I'll, I'll read the yeah. script. The script reads me. There's no email. Yeah. <laughs> I, it got lost. Yeah. Reads me. This red reads me. That's exactly what he said. And by the way, again, look, you got to hand it to the fucking guy. When you watch Apocalypse Now, it is a goddamn master class on acting. How did they hide how fat he was? So they used a double when he was like standing up. They, they hired a double. Uh, but usually they laid this man down. Like the whole movie, if you watch it, he's laying down for a lot of it. And they just like wouldn't. They would just show you his face. And they <laughs> his used, face like, looked fat as shit. They used like black paint and shit. They literally like if you watch this movie, the way they they lit this man, it, it you're seeing like a quarter of Brando's face, like the whole movie. You're seeing like one tenth of Marlon Brando. Like they're showing you like a puzzle piece of Marlon Brando. I this movie. Incredible. I fucking one of the greatest acting jobs I've ever seen. Uh, but he's but he's also getting paid by the day. By the way, he's getting his 3.5 million paid to him um, in increments, you know, daily, basically. So every day, he doesn't really give a shit what you do during that day. So he didn't read the script. So when he shows up, he's like, well, I need Coppola to, like, run me through the story. <laughs> so they spend, like, a oh, week or so. Coppola God. is catching him up on what Apocalypse Now is while they're doing, this, like... It, it, please tell me this is the last time he ever worked in this town. Pretty much. Okay, yeah, I was, pretty much. Th that's too fucking far. Pretty much. That you're paid that much money, and you just, like, literally just don't even fucking care Dude. enough to, like read uh, the, the scenes that you're in like <laughs> get the fuck out of here i don't care how good of an actor you are that's so fucking disrespectful uh <laughs> i'll see you dev yeah the, no, I, I i agree i think it's <laughs> hilarious kind of in hindsight but you know <laughs> yeah no the producer fred roos said the clock was ticking on this deal he had and we had to finish him within three weeks or we'd go into this very expensive overage and so basically his 3.5 million dollar contract was basically what they allotted you know they're paying him by day and they're like we can't go over this and so he's just like milking the fucking clock and Francis and Marlon would be talking about the character and whole days would go by and this is at Marlon's urging and yet he's getting paid for it <laughs> <laughs> I still I still don't think the characters are well rounded yeah. enough yeah. I don't think he's coming from an honest place I need some more time. Need some, Coppola's need some time. Be better. I would have recasted him. Yeah, I, I mean, would have told him to go home. But he's Marlon Brando, and Coppola worshipped this man. You know, I mean, this was the same as The Godfather, and yeah. and he also he also did The Godfather with Brando, yeah. and the thing opened at a, the biggest fucking opening yeah. in the history of movies. So he's like, well, the guy's got pool, you know, yeah. and Apocalypse Now. I mean, upon release, mm. critical critical acclaim. 
uh, you know, Brando's performance is just fucking, is the biggest talk of the fucking town. His whispering of Kurt's final words, by the way, spoiler alert for the movie, <laughs> but he, he whispers like the horror, you know, it had become famous. Is that what that's from? The horror. The horror. The horror. The horror. That's what that's from? Yes. Oh. Apocalypse Now. Roger that's Ebert, writing in the Chicago Sun-Times, defended the movie's controversial denouement, opening that the ending with Brando's fuzzy brooding monologues and the final violence feels much more satisfactory than any conventional ending possibly could. Uh, and he received... Oh, yeah, he got 10% of the gross theatrical rental and 10% of the TV oh sale rights. God. Uh, that earned him around $9 million at the time. So he's oh, just, my fucking he's God. He's just stacking it up. So far in this story, I've, uh, he's racked up about $60 million. Uh, in the 70s. In this one part. In, in this, this one part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was fantastic at it. And that was his kind of last great performance in my opinion uh he did superman 2 in 1980 how bringing back jarl why he's he's jarl in what context he's jarl the man's been exploded <laughs> that's so that exploded a long time ago and uh that was about it that was through the 80s he's gone yeah, uh, Marlon Brando in the '80s is nowhere to be found. He's good. 350 pounds. Good, good. <laughs> fucking, that's good. After <laughs> after what you fucking pulled, good. And retire. Still, still kind of managed to lose all of his money in the '80s. That's impressive. Yeah, he still kind of managed to blow that's through it all. On cocaine. I everything hot sure. dogs hot dogs you know, his pink's budget alone <laughs> that's no there's no way you spend sixty million dollars on hot dogs that's impossible <laughs> I mean just hot ask dogs aren't that much fucking money that's Marlon man that man three hundred fifty pounds he's like five foot nine you know like the man ate that many hot dogs that's about that's about sixty million dollars worth of hot dogs you know that's, that's insane <laughs> and uh, that's where we get into the 90s so that's where i'm gonna leave you that is part four we're definitely we're doing part five y'all it's a five part of this is that's film. insane yes. dude man this 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 ep- this the brando episode is as fat as he is yes it was it is it, he was thick and so is this episode of film history the history of film this is so much brando one man, man. takes up an entire season <laughs> you know, I I would feel worse about it, but it's Marlon Brando. Yeah. And now you kind of see. I, there's so much to talk about. There was so much to talk there's about, so and much also shit going on. If you're gonna give five parts to someone, let it be Brando. Let it be Brando. Let it be Brando. Brando. Brando, dude. Uh, in part five. Uh, depending on where we start part five, I'm not sure. It'll either be with Apocalypse Now or we it'll, might... It'll definitely end up his death. Okay, yeah. It's gonna... It, it will go through the 90s and the extremely tragic 90s for Marlon Brando. Uh, and it is also gonna get into uh, all the way up to the 2000s when he eventually dies. Hey, look, the fall is starting. Depressing season's coming. There you go. Get depressed. Get depressed. You're gonna get very depressed for some part five. Pre-game some depression yeah. with Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah, things get... Things get pretty bad for Marlon. I mean, it, it all in all wasn't a bad life, but things get bad in the 90s. I'll be honest with you. But, um, you know, <laughs> but life is what you make it. Life is what you make it. You know, home's where you make it. Yeah. Just like they said in The Waterboy or whatever. I've never saw that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Marlon Brando was in it. Oh, really? He said that line. Oh, okay. yeah. I believe you. I've never, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but that's been part four of Marlon Brando, everyone. 
Uh, we, let's do our socials. Yeah, man. You can find me on Instagram at Drake Cummings, on Twitter at Drake underscore Cummings, on TikTok at Hollywood Drake, uh, my, my merch store, RachelTwainsMerch.com. And, you know, if you're on an internet website, just type my name in. See what comes up. Google me. Google me. Type me into OnlyFans. <laughs> OnlyFans, Jizzy Drake. Let me uh, know what you find. Jizzy Drake. Instagram, <laughs> sail, at Sailor underscore Dev. Twitter, Abracadabra Dev. Uh, Abracadabra-films.com. Check out all the cool shit that we've been doing. And we continue Hell to yeah. do. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. You can find me at Jimmy Deloy or James Wyatt Scott, depending on where you're looking for me. You can find us at Film History, The History of Film, FHHF Podcast, all that good shit. Uh, yeah, just Google us, man. Google me. You can also find me grabbing a five-gallon tub of ice cream, <laughs> hopping in a rowboat, and going to my own little atoll to finish it off. And that's been Film, film History, The History, history of Brandon. Brando history, the history of Brando. You know what I'm talking about.